Good morning. Is there anybody warm today? Did anybody consider wearing shorts today? Scott, you have on shorts, don't you? That's what I figured. I gave this much thought to it, and and I'm regretting it already, regretting my decision already. Uh, But guys, I love the spring. I don't know what you think about in spring. I don't know about if uh, when the new heaven and new earth get here or come together, if there will be seasons such as what we have now. But spring always reminds me of the new creation that that God has promised us. You know, because everything's been dead, it's been cold, it's been miserable, it's been snowy, and now all of a sudden the sun's out and the temperature's up. And if you don't feel better yet, I think you will. <laughs> and so guys, it's just, it's just good. Enjoy it. And guys, I'll take the small things in life, this is my encouragement to you, to recognize what God said, to remember what God said and what God's done. Uh, my name is Gary, if you're, you don't know who I am. And uh, I am, I haven't been up here in a while. I think it was November 21st was the last time I got to be up here in front of you and, and talking. I tell everybody I'm not a preacher, I'm a talker. And so uh, this is kind of different for me. Um, but anyway, we've been in the middle of a series. Mike and Tim have talked about the different names of Jesus. Our theme for the year is Jesus is. And we've been talking about this, and, and they've been talking over the last several weeks, and we've talked about the different names being, the, the uh, you know, Jesus is Lord. Jesus is the stone. Jesus is the bridegroom. Jesus is the good doctor. Jesus is the son of man. Jesus is the servant of God. And then last week, Mike talked about Jesus is the logos or the word. And guys, isn't it wild how many different names there are for Jesus? I mean, when you look at this, it, 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 it just, it just shows you that you can't put God in a box. You can't say He is only one way or He is not something else. I believe that is why there are so many different descriptions for Jesus. Now, I don't know if Tim is going to get to it in this series, but he talked about there's even names given to Him from those outside of, of, of His followers. You know, that he was called a drunkard. He's called a friend of tax collectors. You know, some names that, that do fit, some names that weren't, didn't, that weren't appropriate. There's different, there's different ways of looking at Jesus. I was literally, yesterday, I wasn't feeling well, I was sitting at home, I put on a YouTube video and was listening to it while I fell asleep. And uh, the Bible, I think he's, I don't know if he's a college professor, but he's definitely a theologian, a guy who studied the Bible immensely. He was having a conversation with another theologian who is a college professor. And uh, he was talking about, the first gentleman had wrote an article and where he had methodically looked at the claims about Jesus from the prophecies and what he was recognized as by others, what he said about himself, and then what conclusions could you draw from, as well as from his actions. And he was saying this because, guys, there's a there's there's a there's a movement out there to present Jesus differently. I don't know if you're familiar with this or not. Okay, and they they they, they radically change it. Um, it's been going on for a while. It's called progressive Christianity. Okay, and they take all. It's a different position. Um, I've read some of their books. I've listened to their authors. Okay, they make some very good points. And I believe it is, is swung out of it's, it's the, the proverbial pendulum swing away from the mistakes that churches and Christians have made in the name of Jesus. And they come over here and they, they, they go to a totally different position. You know, like, and one of those positions, very, very plainly, this is very common, where they reject the stories of the Old Testament. They reject the uh, the stories of the supernatural as being a literal happening. The Red Sea did not literally part. Okay, where, where there's talk of demons, that doesn't exist. And it's because they believe in science. If it can't be synchronized with science, they reject it. And so there's this movement on of what Jesus is like. I listened to one of their authors, and what he, while the, him and another Christian were, or an evangelical Christian were speaking, and they were having a conversation, and... And at one point, the, the, the progressive Christian makes the statement, I don't want to believe in a God like that. 
And you see, guys, we all, it's a challenge to say, what is God really like? Now, to be fair, this, this progressive Christian, he uses that title. He also calls himself a searching agnostic. Not sure if there's a God. And he, so he decides, I don't want a God like that. I heard him another time say, saying, I don't see that Jesus in the Bible. Now, I would disagree with him on those things, but my whole point in talking about this, guys, is to say we need to get an accurate picture of Jesus. Okay? We need to have an accurate picture of Jesus. We can't look at someone or some group or some church that is doing something that we believe is wrong and say, therefore, I can't believe in Jesus. I can't, I I don't want an accurate picture because these people are presenting an inaccurate picture. And so I really want to encourage you to, uh, he's going around. (laughs) Just an FYI, we're preferring people come in the small dome now, so this door is now locked. We were using it during COVID, so I know we didn't put a memo out, I don't believe, but anyway, um, we need to have a desire to have an accurate understanding of Jesus in its completeness. And I want to, I want to encourage you not to reject any aspect of Jesus that, or of God that you don't like. Are there things about God you don't like? I don't like? Yeah. Are there things about this world I don't like? You better believe it. But I have to decide, what am I going to do with Jesus? And that's what this, this, this is all about. This Jesus is. We want to look at him more closely. And I really encourage you, don't let it stop with what goes on here on Sundays. I mean, one of the authors he did, the, the guys I was listening to yesterday, he wrote this article. He goes, you can go find this stuff yourself. He didn't give every reference. He goes, you can go find it. And guys, we need to be people, we need to be followers of Jesus who are looking at what the Word says about our Lord. And so I encourage that, guys. Some of the descriptions of Jesus here, you know, that we've talked about are very literal, uh, literal ones. Other ones are, are more of a description or an illustration. You know, when it says he's the, the cornerstone, he was not a literal piece of rock. Okay? It's, it's, it's talking about his, his, his solidness, the firm foundation, the fact that it's not going to move. Where there's others that are, you know, I mean, they're more of a description. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. It's more of a description. It's found in John chapter 15. You can see the verse there. But I'm going to actually read uh, the first 17 verses of John 15. If you have your Bibles and you want to turn there. Uh, I want to read the whole passage um, because I believe it is just, it gives you the, more of a picture of what's going on here. A little bit of background on this is John chapter, in John 13, you, probably, you may be familiar with, it's the Last Supper, it's where Jesus washes the disciples' feet, and then you know gives that, that command at the end, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another, and all men will know you are my disciples by your love for one another. And then he goes into John 14, 15, and 16, and as you read it, it looks like it's most, very possibly that John 14 and 15 are continued instruction. Okay, these are, but without a doubt, it's some of Jesus' final instructions. He's, he's, he's summing things up. He's, he's bringing it all together, so to speak. And I really encourage you to go back and look at all those passages, uh, all those chapters, John 14, 15, 16, and 17. Uh, But I'm going to be reading the first 17 verses of John 15. This is what it says. It says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. 
If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. Just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in His love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this. To lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my father I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Guys, I read all that. I know it's a long passage. There's a lot in there, but I felt like one verse just doesn't do it justice to talk about what Jesus is refer how he's describing himself as the vine. And he goes into great length there uh, to talk about that. But he, he, he says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Now one of the things I think, and I don't have this in, in my notes to really talk about, but I think it's very plain. We need to look at what Jesus is, and we need to look at what we are. Okay? When it says Jesus is Lord, what are we? Subjects, servants. Okay? We serve the Lord. If he's, and here he is saying, if I am the vine, we are branches. Because I bring that out because sometimes we try to do things on our own. We try, we want to choose our own purpose and role in life. And Jesus is making it very plain that we have a purpose, we have a role, and we're going to be talking about that in a minute here. But Jesus is basically telling us two vital realities for his followers. The first one is that Jesus expects me to be connected to him. Jesus expects me to be connected to him. I'm starting to sweat already. And guys, connection equals relationship. He is not just saying, okay, you need to have a mechanical connection to me. He is saying you have a relationship with me that our very existence depends upon. When I say existence, I'm talking about our existence as his followers. Branches connect to the vine. He goes on to say, in verses 3 and 4, let's read these. I'll reread them, I guess. He says, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. And guys, I, 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 I want to emphasize something that this relationship that Jesus is describing here is to be an ongoing relationship. It's not a one-and-done kind of a thing. It's not something where, hey, I, I've reached the pinnacle. I'm there. I can kind of pull back on the throttle and, and, and ease up in my attention to my relationship with Jesus because i got it going on. Try that in your marriage and see how it works. Jesus is talking about an ongoing relationship. A relationship that is growing and brings about change in me. Guys, when I think about this, I, I think about there's a passage in 1 Peter chapter... I'm sorry, I'm just thinking 2 Peter chapter 2. Let me look it up. 
Second Peter chapter one. I'm sorry. Got my ones and my twos mixed up with the first and the second Peter and the first and second chapter. Anyway, uh, I want to read this to you. It's not in your notes. It's in second Peter one. I'm going to read verses three through, uh, ten. It says, this is what it says. It says his, his divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his great and precious promises so that through them you may participate in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption of the world caused by evil desires. For this reason, what's he saying? God's given you everything you need to live a godly life, to escape the corruption of the world. And then he goes on, he says in verse 5, he says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness mutual affection and to mutual affection love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. But whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sins. Guys, what does your relationship with Jesus look like? You know, I mean, that's a, that's a personal question, but what does it look like? I got a, I got a few answers here that I just, possibilities I thought of like this morning. Now, one of them is, is your relationship with Jesus like an across the room kind of relationship? You know, you want to be in the room with Jesus, but you don't want to be too close. Is that fair? You know, you want to know you're saved. You want to know you're forgiven. You want to know you're loved. But if you get too close to Jesus, He might have some things to say to you you don't want to hear. Okay? Maybe it's maybe your relationship with Jesus is like a teenager. Okay, what's that? I got this. I got this. I'll call you when I need you. I'll call you when the cars broke down at one in the morning. That's when dad gets the call, right? And if you try to tell me something, I'm going to say the opposite. I want to disagree. You know, I, uh, I heard this. It's, it's very exciting for me, uh, watching my children grow up. And uh, I've heard the story for years and years and years, you know, that they say kids, and especially little boys, you know, when you're when they're eight and ten years old, they think the dad hung the moon. I think I missed that one. Then when they get to be teenagers, they want you to go to the moon. And then when they get out of college and get on their own and get to be about the age of 25, they figure out you know a few things. And I, I, I have been very fortunate. I, I work with my oldest son, Jonathan. Most of you know that. And it is very exciting. He will be 28 here in April. And he's just a few years behind that 25 mark. He was 27 before. He, it was, it's so funny. He was talking to, to Mike Kiffmeyer one day and they were talking about a problem at the car wash. And, uh, Mike's explaining it to Jonathan and he goes, well, the first thing I need to do is to call my dad and apologize. Because <laughs> he, had, he I'll spare you the details, but let me, let me let me let me tell you what he was saying. Dad was right, and guys, it's wonderful. But how many of us we we get stuck in that teenage mode with God, where we say, ah, you know, I got this. I've come up with a term for it with young men. It may apply to young women. I don't work as closely with young women as I do young men. But I'm talking about young men out of high school. It's called young man's disease. And what it is is I know. You'll hear that word from young men. I know. You're trying to teach it. I know. I got it. Mike was talking about a young man at the, at the car wash recently. And I said, I said, how's he doing? He goes, well, you know, he's got young man's disease. He, we trained him for two weeks and he knows everything. And it's like, guys, that's a lot of what, it, that could be what your relationship with God looks like. Maybe your relationship with, God, with Jesus looks like a job. You know, you go to work, you punch in, and when you're done, when you punch out, 
You're on your time. And so you got this segment of your life where you go to church, where you go to your small group, you know, you're doing your Jesus things, your religious things. And then the rest of the time, it's my time. I can do what I want. I used to have that approach with when it came to, to, to my money. You know, I thought, if I give God that minimum 10% that church always talks about, I can do what I want with the rest of it. And I literally would say I would I would turn down opportunities to give because I gave all my money to the church. I've already taken care of that. I take care of helping people through my church. And I gave well over the 10% number. But that was my approach. It was like a job. Maybe you approach your relationship with God, your relationship with Jesus. It's like I've arrived. You know, I've been at this long enough, been through enough, and there's nothing new, really new to do. And see, guys, right now I'm fighting something, uh, a mindset period that affects my relationship with Jesus. And I'm going to call it the retirement mindset. You know, I'm 58, my wife's 57, we're not retired. We own our own business, so it's kind of semi-retirement, you know. And who doesn't look forward to retirement? We all, we're getting older, right guys? We're, we're thinking about it. What do we want to do? And what do you want to do with retirement? Number one, you want to be able to pay your bills and your health insurance. That's the first thing. But after that, you want to travel. You want some freedom. You want to be able to do what you want with your day. Guys, the question I'm, 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 I'm challenged with the retirement mindset is number, number one, the Bible doesn't talk anything about retirement. There's nothing wrong with it. Don't get me wrong. Quit being able to leave your job and not have to work to earn a living is wonderful. But Jesus talks about as long as it's day, I must do the work of Him who sent me. For night is coming when no man can work. And He said, my Father is at work to this very day. And I'm like, as I look at retirement, I have to decide not what I want to do with my time, but how does Jesus want me to spend that time? And so guys, I don't know where you're at. I, I lay that out there to say, what does... I already stepped on one of those today. Uh, but what does your relationship with Jesus look like? And we're going to talk very briefly here about a few things about what relationship, what does relationship with Jesus look like? What should it be like? What should it look like? First thing we want to talk about is that it's, it's accessing His availability. Accessing His availability. I am thrilled when my children call me for advice, for input. What should I do? How should I do this? I'm thinking of buying a house. I'm thinking of buying a car. Uh, my son Jordan, he, long story short, he was in Arizona. He's a traveling nurse. He's in Arizona and uh, his next gig is in Seattle and he totaled his car out. And so he's going to, uh, buy a new car. And so he's, he, it's a challenging thing. Now I went with him when he bought his first car. I sat beside him after he signed the con- the sales agreement on the con- on the car and then was sitting in the finance officer's chair or office you know and you they make you wait and it was quite the experience and i explained to him in front of the guy this is what he's doing this is how he's doing it so jordan's now in arizona and he's buying a new car and before he goes to the dealership he's talking to me and while he's sitting there in the finance office guys he's texting me which extended warranty should i get no extended warranty that comes with a warranty you shouldn't have to pay for anything and he goes through it all but guys, in the moment, he's accessing what's available to him. Guys, Jesus is available to us 24 hours a day. We were just in the back, and I loved it, Jim. I appreciate Jim praying so much. Uh, he's in our small group, and I get to hear him pray regularly. But he, 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 his prayer was for us to pray without ceasing. Because that's what it tells us to do. But guys, look at this passage here in Ephesians chapter 3. 
And I got the Amplified Bible here. Uh, translation is what I used here. And what that means is all the words in parentheses or brackets they've added as an explanation uh, to, to, to further enhance the, the text. It says, This is in accordance with the terms of the eternal purpose which He carried out in Christ Jesus our Lord, in whom we have boldness and confident access through faith in Him. That is, our faith gives us sufficient courage to freely and openly approach God through Christ. Guys, that's just amazing. Accessing His availability. I mean, how many of you, when you think about your time with Jesus, you're praying, do you look at it as you have sufficient courage to freely and openly approach God? Boldly and confidently come into His presence. One translation says, assured of His glad welcome. You see, guys, that, that's just, that just blows my mind to think about that you can come into the office of the creator of this world, the king of the kingdom, the king of all kings, and he's going to let you in, and he's going to listen to you, and he's going to talk to you. And what kind of confidence? And that confidence goes way beyond that. How, who has ever... Thank you. <laughs> Who has ever not wanted to pray or not prayed because of something they'd done? Some sin they'd done again. Something they'd, a weakness where they'd done something they wish they hadn't and they don't feel confident coming before God. I know I've been there. Okay guys, when it says we can be confident, assured of His glad welcome, what we're talking about is having faith in what He's done. Having faith in what He's said that we are forgiven. That we are able to access uh, His availability anytime, any place, about anything. And I think, I feel like this really comes into play when you're able to sit in front of Jesus, sit with Jesus, and say, this is what's going on. And you're not talking about what somebody else has done. You're talking about where you're at. You're saying, this is what I'm thinking, Jesus, and I'm not so sure it's right. Or you're saying, this is what I've always thought. This is how I've approached this, and I'm beginning to wonder about it. And 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 you're assured that He is not going to just metaphorically, thump you on the head and yell at you and let you know what a scumbag you are and how wrong you've been and how right you are finally. Because that's not a glad welcome. And so guys, you have to be able to access His availability. And so I ask you, how much are you accessing Jesus' availability? How much are you talking to Him? How much are you inviting Him in to look at your life? Okay, that's what the connection is all about. Because he has a place he, we're gonna talk about fruit in a minute here. You know, there's two big things here that we're talking about. One is our connection to Jesus as, you know, the branches with the vine, and the other is the fruit. Because there's something he does want or expect out of our connection to him, out of our relationship with him. He does expect something. He does expect fruit. And so how are we, instead of saying, God, give me fruit. How comfortable do you feel to pray, go before God, before Jesus and say, prune me. Because that's what he says. Once you're fruitful, you're pruned and you're more fruitful. Maybe we need pruned initially in order to bear fruit. That doesn't sound like fun to me. That may be what we're afraid of. I don't know. Second thing about what a relationship with Jesus looks like is that we are acquiring His insights. Guys, this should be what we want. This should be the focus 
of our prayers when we come before Jesus is saying, Jesus, here I am. Here's my thoughts. Here's my actions. Here's my will. Now I want that lined up with yours. I want you to show me where my will, my dreams, my goals, my attitudes, my feelings do not line up with yours. And I want your insight into this. I want you to show me what's going on here. I want you to show me what I'm supposed to live like. Look at these verses here. I've already read them once, but in John 15, verses 14 and 15, this is what it says. You are my friends. Who wants Jesus as a friend? You are my friends if you do what I command. Sounds kind of harsh. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. He says we're, his, we're to be friends, not servants. Though serving is part of what we do. Okay? And He wants us to know His... We, we are to know our Master's business. Jesus wants us to know His business. Typically, my approach has been to only want to know the part of His business that is necessary at the time. best way I know to illustrate this is uh, uh, my wife and I are in the car wash business. Uh, we we got into it while we were still in the auto glass business. And so I, our first car wash and our second car wash, I was fixing the car wash either after doing auto glass all day, installing auto glass all day, or in between jobs so you could get up and running. I mean, the one thing I knew about car washes is if they're not, oh, if they're broke down, you can't make money. Pretty simple, right? And so I would be on the phone with a technician. And I would be saying, he'd say, find the solenoid. I did not know what a solenoid was. Okay? And he would say, well, that's the problem. It's a solenoid. This is what it looks like. This is what it does. He told me how to take it apart. He told me how to clean it out. He told me how to put it back together. I did it and it worked. Now, when I was done, I'd, my goal was to fix the car wash because it was broken. And when I was done talking to him, I was... The car wash was fixed. Can you, t- can I, you know what I knew about solenoids after I got done with that conversation? I knew that one was broken, now it's not. What does a solenoid do? I don't know. I couldn't tell you. It was, it was literally, guys, I'm not kidding you. I, I've, I've rebuilt them, I've replaced them without a working knowledge, understanding of how they work or even what they were doing. I can tell you pretty well now, though Jonathan would probably correct me on a number of points, so I won't bother to do that, and he'd be right. Okay? All I knew was that I had a solenoid was broken. All I cared about was that I wanted it to work. So I could move on. So I could make money. Guys, how many times is that the way we approach Jesus? We only want something fixed. We don't want to know what's going on under the hood. Okay? We want to stop doing the sin we're, we're doing. We want to start acting better. We want our spouse, our children, our friends, our bosses to start acting better. Instead of going in saying, Jesus, what's going on here? What do you need from me? And he'll tell you. He'll communicate to you what is going on. I've told you all this before, but it was years and years and years and years ago when I was struggling with depression and and uh, our marriage wasn't all it wanted what I wanted it to be. And I can tell you where I was. I was on my patio walking from the back door to the garage, and basically I got an insight from Jesus, and it said, "Whoever told you to expect." From marriage, what you're expecting from marriage. Can't you just fix her? 
See, that's all I wanted. I was willing to be fixed. But as long as I got what I wanted. And he's going, I'm not after you getting what you want. I'm after you being what I want you to be. And you see, guys, that is what relationship with Jesus is to be about. We are to acquire His insights. We are to know His business. That is what we're all about. Guys, I ask you, do you want Jesus' insights? I have, a, I have a friend that used to go, to go to church here. I haven't seen him in a number of years. And one time in small group, they asked, have you asked Jesus if you're doing what's most important? He goes, I'm not asking that question. I said, why not? He goes, I'm afraid he's going to tell me I'm not. He didn't want Jesus' insights. He just wanted that, that warm fuzzy that, that he felt he could feel okay. Another gentleman I, I, uh, I've listened to on YouTube a couple different times. I guess multiple times now. He is uh, this progressive Christian minister, agnostic, seeking agnostic, whatever you want to call him. And there's a, he makes a statement. I think I've already quoted this one. But where he says, I don't want anything to do with a God like that. And he, another statement he makes is, is that's not the Jesus that I read about. And he's looking, he, he only wants to look at certain aspects of Jesus. And there's aspects of Jesus that, Je- that it says very plainly what Jesus is saying. And he says, no, I don't, I, don't, I don't want that. See, he doesn't want complete insight to what Jesus is really all about. Third thing, guys of what a relationship with Jesus should look like, is accepting His direction. Okay? After you get His insights, it's not like going to college where now you have knowledge. It's about taking some action. As I read those passages, I, I, I boiled this down, this lesson, to two things. And I, I that's fine. We're... This story of the vine is about two things. It's about being connected to Jesus and it's about bearing fruit. Because I read that whole passage there, he got into where I couldn't believe how much he, as I was reading it up here, how much he used the word command. Okay? Because that's what relationship with Jesus... Once you've acquired his insights and you understand that he does have the words of life, his direction is the right way to go. I need to accept it. And I need to take some action. It's very interesting, guys. And I, I throw this one thing out here. You can see it in your notes. It's John chapter 15 and verse 17. Because I think this is very vital. One of the things that, that, that some progressive Christians say is I think that you just need to We need to love people. Amen. We do need to love people and act in love and couldn't, couldn't agree, couldn't agree with it more. Okay. I believe it goes way beyond. I believe there's, you know, how that love is, is, is executed out, how that love is, is, is lived out. But this is what Jesus says in John chapter 15, down in verse 17. He says, this is my command. Love each other. He's just spent lots of time saying, you're really my disciples if you obey my commands. You're really my friend. You're remaining in me if you follow my commands. And he boils it all down. And I believe that is the very first place to start. You want to know if you're accepting. I don't care. I mean, let me be careful here. I don't think Jesus is overly concerned how much we do for Him if we are unwilling to love other followers of Him. Okay, because He boils it all down right here and He says, love each other. You know, And back in chapter 13, I quoted it earlier, after He washed their feet, He says, a new command I give you, love one another as I have loved 
you and all men will know you are my disciples, my followers, by your love for one another. And guys, that's for every one of us in this room. And why do I bring that up? Because I'll be honest with you guys, Christians take it on the nose with this one. Evangelical Christians take it on the nose because of how much they don't get along. I'm just, I'm just being completely real here, guys. This is, this is reality. And it is a challenge for every one of us. Our, it's a challenge for us as individuals to be followers of Jesus and not influenced by the world. It uses terms in there like save, I think I read it earlier in 2 Peter 1, save from the corruption of the world. And right now in the world, there is divisiveness beyond understanding. The COVID world, the COVID pandemic brought that down to, to, into every one of our lives. You know, it wasn't just the Republicans and the Democrats in Congress. Okay, It wasn't just the politically active or those who raised their political voices. I believe it was brought into every one of our lives because it affected every one of our lives. And we made decisions about whatever, judgments about what each other was doing. And I know, guys, some of that took place in this room. Because there's no way with what was going on, we're going to have complete agreements about all the factors of the pandemic, vaccines, uh, uh, masks, social distancing, uh, you know, how many people in there. You could go on and on and on. Break it down. What type of masks? When do you need to wear them? What about outside? You can break all that down. And we don't have to agree on that. But do we love each other? That's the challenge, guys. And so I want to present it there because that's where Jesus says it starts with your, with our love for each other, our love for other followers. Well, they put something on Facebook. Do you love them? I don't agree with what they've done. Do you love them? How are you acting? How are you treating? How are you thinking about them? What's going on in your head with the people you disagree with when you're alone? You see, guys, this is, this is pretty basic, isn't it? I mean, I don't care what you believe about masks. What do you believe? What, do you love me? Do you love the other followers of Jesus? Are you willing to accept this basic instruction? Guys, it is amazing how much will flow out from there. If we're willing to accept his direction. Okay. The second vital. How did I term it? Vital reality about Jesus being the vine is that my fruit is evidence of my connection to Jesus. You see guys, we can claim connection. We can claim relationship. We can convince ourselves we have enough relationship, but the proof's in the pudding, eh? I don't know what that phrase means, but... Jesus is saying the proof's in the fruit. The proof is in the fruit. Well, what is fruit? We used to ask that question when we'd study the Bible with people. We'd look at this very passage in John 15, and we'd say... We talk about, we, we basically settle on, we'd say it's really two things. It's the fruits of the Spirit, Galatians 5, but it's also about making disciples. It's also about sharing our faith. It's also about bringing other people to Jesus. And which one do you think got the most focus? Which one did? And so guys, you need to understand it's, it's, I think both fall into the category, but he talks a whole lot more about the fruits of the Spirit. Look at this in John 7. Jesus tells us pretty plainly here in, I'm sorry, Matthew chapter 7. He tells us plainly what the fruit really is. He says, a good tree cannot produce bad fruit. And a bad tree cannot produce good fruit. So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Yes. Just as you can identify a tree by its fruit... 
so you can identify people by their actions. Now, I didn't research into this. I just used that New Living Translation on this. Uh, but I b- believe that you can just as easily add or put a little slash behind actions and say attitudes, thoughts, words. That I believe actions covers all of those things. Fruit is basically how we live. You see, folks, I will either live to represent Jesus or I will live to represent myself. And I have a choice on whether I'm going to bear good fruit or bad, bear bad fruit. It's very interesting because uh, each of us will, do, does bear fruit. The question is, is it good fruit or is it bad fruit? Is it the fruit that makes us to want to be like Jesus or not? And guys, I, I, we should be concerned about this. I, I, I termed it this way. I said my fruit is my ev- is evidence of my connection to Jesus because I believe Jesus wants us all to be evaluating ourselves. He's giving us a method of evaluating our connection with Him, our relationship with Him. And I believe the evaluation is there. Am I changing? Am I different? Am I becoming more like Jesus than what I was a day ago, a week ago, a year ago? I've been saying this for a long time. I'll continue to say it because I believe it's right. But people should be able to look at you a year from now and see you differently. They should be able to look at you and go, he's a much more loving person. He's a much kinder person person. He's a much more giving person. He represents Jesus better today than he did a year ago. And guys, that is the standard which Jesus gives us. How different are you today? That is the standard. You see, guys, and I'm just I'm just going to throw this out here. You know, it's in the passage, uh, and it's back to one of those things like the like the gentleman I was quoting earlier. It says, "I don't want that type of God." But there is a judge, and in both of the passages passages we've just read are the passage main passage in John 15, right in verse one. It says, "I am the vine." And my father is the gardener. What's the gardener do? The gardener prunes. And you know what he does with branches that aren't productive? He burns them. Right here in this, in, in, in the passage we just read, Matthew chapter 7, verse 19, it says, So every tree that does not produce good fruit is chopped down and thrown into the fire. Guys, we need to be, we need to be doing some self-evaluation to say, what fruit am I producing? What are they seeing? Those, and it starts with those closest to us. It starts in our families, it starts, and, and then it spreads out to those that we're, that we're closest with friend-wise here, here, here in the church, and then it goes out to how do we look to those at work, and then how do we look here in this room? Now guys, bearing fruit, I have no idea what that just did. Okay. Bearing fruit, uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, requires two things. It requires two things. It's very simple. First one is examining and changing my heart. Guys, this is what Jesus had to say about sin in Mark chapter 7. He says, and then he added, It is what comes from inside that defiles you. From within, out of a person's heart, come evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, greed, wickedness, deceit, lustful desires, evil slander, pride, and foolishness. All of these vile things come from within. They are what defiles you. And what Jesus is saying, that what comes out of us is, is what's inside of us. 
It's within the heart. And that's where you have to start. We have to start by looking at our heart and seeing what's going on. And when you change that, guess what? Your actions change. See guys, bad fruit's a result of what goes on inside me. How often do you examine your heart? I mean, that's what this accessibility to Jesus is really all about. You know, you sit with Him and ask for His insight onto what's going on in your heart. That's powerful. And He will show you. You know, how often do you just sit and confidently trust Jesus' judgment on what's going on in your heart? I'm going to read this next passage. I love this passage. I've, I've read it to you folks up here more times than I can count. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Here's one for you. This this, this may take some thinking for some of us. Jesus wants me to change the way I think. That's something you tell yourself much? Yeah, that thought's not right. That, That doesn't line up with Jesus. Jesus wants us to do that. You see, guys, I've already talked about this. I have thoughts, feelings, attitudes that don't align with His will, with His thoughts. And God wants us to be in a constant mode of examining and changing what we think. Second thing, guys, required in bearing fruit is live like Jesus. I know that's that's an oversimplification, but it is just the it's the reality of the situation. This is this is the way John put it in First John chapter two. He said, "But those who obey God's word truly show how completely they love Him. That is how we know we are living in Him." Those who say they live in God should live their lives as Jesus did. See guys, it is so easy to get caught up in the the busyness of the day. Getting done what needs to get done. You know, getting ready for work, getting out the door, getting the kids out the door, getting to work and getting started with the hustle and bustle of the day and everything happening. And to to consciously forget, I am a representative of King Jesus today. I am to represent Him no matter what's going on. How many times have, have you had an opportunity to represent Jesus in other people's lives, but you were too caught up in what you're doing? It happens, guys. And I think that, that, that the solution to that, the answer to that, is to make sure that you it is a conscious goal for your life. It is a conscious decision every day. It's in your awareness of how do I represent Jesus in this situation. You know, we have things at work, at the car wash, we have what we call incident reports. And we have situations where uh, cars are damaged. And some of them are very simple. If it takes a wiper off, it's no big decision. There's other situations that are, um, it's questionable. Is that fair to say? You know, we have, we have parts to come in. They were broken coming in. I'm not paying to break it, you know, to fix it. It was broken when it came in. We have to have video cameras at the front to video tape the car as it goes through. Okay? And then we can see things. And I don't handle these much anymore. I do get involved in some. I have, Mike and Joe handle those more. But the question is, do I just want to get this done and behind me? Do I just want to prove them people wrong? This ain't our responsibility? Or do I remember, I'm a representative of Jesus here. How do I handle this is important. And I can't tell you how many times when I used to handle those things, I would just, you, you, you just had a default mode that said, this ain't our fault and I'm out to show up. 
And there were situations where guys, being like Jesus meant, yeah, it ain't my fault, but I'm going to take care of you. And some of those situations required me, number one, they're going to cost me money. The other is going to, it's going to cost me time. And I had to look at every situation that way and say, maybe I want to help this person. We had one like that recently where the back window was, the hinges were loose <laughs> coming through. And guess what? It got broke coming through. We took care of that one. And it's hard to do those decisions. Guys, I don't know what you, what you're faced with. But what is being more like Jesus? That's the goal. That's the plan. That's the challenge. So guys, how are you doing? As we're closing out, how are you doing? How, how does your relationship with Jesus look right now? You know, maybe you fall into one of those, those categories I made up of, you know, you're like the, the, you know, across the room relationship or you're like the teenager or you're, it's like a job. Okay, maybe it's, hey, look, I really am uncomfortable with Jesus telling me what's going on in my heart that's wrong. I, don't, I, I want the security, but I don't like His insights. I'm afraid of those. So guys, I'm asking you where you're at. And I'm asking you to evaluate and you to decide what's going on. And you really want to know what's going on, look at the fruit. Look at the fruit. And you make that decision. Guys, uh, I'm going to close out in prayer. We are going to, I've been asked to let you know that we are going to have two songs after we get done. One song to fill them out, fill out your communication card if you wish to do that. And then the other is uh, just to close us out. Uh, the baskets are still going to be in the back where you can drop your cards off. So let's pray. And the worship team will come up and we'll have two songs. All right? Father, it is, it is, Father, it's almost unbelievable to think that we can come into your presence with confidence. That, Father, right now, we are in your presence. And, Father, you're not destroying us is the first thing. Father, you're not slapping me for the thoughts that I had this week that were wrong, for the attitudes, for the actions. That's because of what Jesus did. It's because of what He did on the cross. But Father, the reality that I can sit and be in Your presence, even though You're in heaven and I'm on earth, is amazing. And Father, the reality that You can open my eyes my mind to see what's going on in my heart is actually pretty cool. Father, I can tell you it took me a number of years to just to really decide I want what you want and to quit trying to shape my life the way I want. And the truth is it's still a challenge. My desire has roots that run deep. And they want to pull me back to thinking the way I used to think. And at times they do. And Father, while at the same time, there are other thoughts that I'm, I'm just slow to let go of. Either because I don't realize or I just haven't given them attention or because quite honestly, I like them. Even though they don't align with you. Father, I want to add... I, Pray right now that we can, we can get encouragement from what we just read. Because, Father, you haven't left us out there helpless. Father, access to you gives us an infinite amount of information and an infinite amount of power to change what goes on inside us and to bring about the fruit that you desire from our lives. Father, I pray, it's my prayer that that's our desire. That everybody in this room that looks at this says, I want the fruit that Jesus wants. And Father, we're willing to let go of the fruit you want us to let go of. The things you want us to let go of. 
And Father, we bring all this before you in Jesus' name. Amen.